This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I, I, a couple of things to moan about before we start. Okay. So I, want, I want to moan about Nick first. Yeah? Um... Yeah, um, I mean, so you, you got the email about um, the club saying make sure that your season ticket is is all working in your wallet and stuff. Yeah, and uh, mine wasn't, so I had to I had to re-download it. No problem. His wasn't either. So you know, he did that like old relative thing of like, oh, can you can you help me with the IT, please? Can you fix the IT? <laughs> um, <laughs> So I, I I saw it and I said like, you got the same problem as me. We need we need to um, we need to remove it and then add it back into your wallet. Yeah. Um, except when it went, he went to add it back into his wallet. He was pressing the add it to wallet and nothing was happening. So he sort of he sort of left the pub and and then just went on a rant of telling everyone that I was a fucking dick for uh, ruining his. <laughs> ruining his ticket and I was like but it didn't work a minute ago it still said wolves like just go to the box office and get it sorted anyway after the game smiling I'll sort it oh did you where's my apology Nick where's my apology (laughs) that I mean that literally is the the life of an IT person isn't it where everyone decides that it's something it's something technical or computer related Therefore, it's your responsibility to fix it, even though, and if it's already, even though it's not working already, if it don't, if you don't fix it immediately, or the thing you suggest doesn't work, that is your fault. Yeah, um, and you yeah. are personally responsible for it. No, I, I, yeah. I witness it a lot. Um, one of the um, most recent things that happened uh, to my partner was um, was being contacted by somebody to um, to attend a meeting to help run a slide deck. So that that is, you know, somebody in in tier two IT support who's being asked to run a slide deck because the person thinks press that, right on the PowerPoint. Yeah, it's mean? like literally, yeah, like well, okay. that that just again, you're you're not you're not there to do that, are you? It's unbelievable. Well, I, yeah, I've done it plenty of times when I worked in schools. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's one more terrible bit of tech news from from the um, from the from the Twitter comments as well. We asked people to comment on the game. Leif Anderson's forehead. Um, have you seen my earbuds? I lost them yesterday, gutted. 
Uh, so That's... rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in peace, Leif Anderson's foreheads, earbuds. Yeah, you're not um, finding them again, I'm afraid. Um... No, sorry, man. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Okay, hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. Episode 12, by my reckoning, Southampton at home. The last home game before the big old break for the World Cup. Uh, my name is Mike and uh, joining us are the aforementioned uh, key finder, Christopher Hamblin. <laughs> hello. And Patrick O'Connor. Good evening, how are you? Yes, all, all good, all good, all good. Um, I'm glad that we're discussing a win. Um, I imagine at least three people bothered to sit through last week's 3-0 defeat discussion, although we did get to hear from your son, who had an excellent debut. Were you a proud dad, Patrick? I actually really was. The funniest thing was, um, one, having someone, I guess in the chat, say he sounds just like me, <laughs> and then and then a friend of mine, well, actually Stan from Toronto saying, was that your son on the pod? I'm like, he did say it was my son, didn't he? They go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was funny, yeah. So. Yeah, well, he said it a couple of times. Yeah, I, I didn't think he sounded that much like you. We to be don't. Honest. So, we really don't. But no, kind of people like no. Mikey thought that. Anyway. Yeah, just you, you both, you you both have a slight American twinge, and that's about it. His um, more. You'll be you'll be dis- one, yeah. yeah. His much more. You'll be disgusted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, well, let's get started. Just before that, say so, um, we've got a, a fairly new website. If you haven't been over there yet, it's an excellent hub for. Uh, well, you, you can you probably subscribe to the pods already if you listen to this, but it's a great hub for getting into the YouTube videos. Um, just simply find which which one's the newest one, click on those. Um, you can you can leave us some comments as well. So so please do if you want to go old school and leave an email, you know, a proper ranting email rather than a Twitter comment, then please do <laughs> back of the nest. Backofthenest.com. Um, and also, you can subscribe to us um, via all manner of platforms on there. And I would ask, if you're going to do that, give us a nice review on iTunes, that kind of thing. It really does help. There's about 5 million Crystal Palace podcasts these days. Um, just tell people that we are at least your second favourite. Uh, so let's just cover Palace news. Today, on the day of recording, Palace women went all the way up to Durham and uh, very thankfully won one nil. Um, Anna Fibley, the uh, the, def- the central defender, scoring the only goal of the game just before half-time. Uh, they're up to fourth in the table after seven games, so the table's looking a little bit healthier. Yes, Durham are bottom, but um, they haven't been doing that badly recently. So, you know, it's a really good trip. There's some photos up on the... Uh, the women's uh, Twitter page, everyone looks well happy after the game. So, excellent stuff. Um, and the under-18s, they drew two all against, uh, well, the last couple of years, High Flyers, Fulham. Um, goals from Hindolo Mustafa and Caleb, I can never pronounce his name. Kapora. Do you reckon it's Kapora? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so all round, three goals from uh, from defenders in those two games. So, interesting. But, yeah. Two all, uh, were one nil down and then two one up. But um, I think that's a pretty solid point, um, and that that keeps them in in second. Still an absolute mile off West Ham, who look like they're not going to drop a point this season. But um, that's all good. Uh, and just in other Palace news, 
I'm absolutely not a boxing fan. I don't know about you guys. Um, are, you, are, you, are you a boxing fan, Patrick? Not even a little bit anymore. No. I, that, I, no. Uh, I don't watch it that much anymore now. Uh, no, uh, I like Chris? liked him when Frank Bruno was 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 the thing, you know. It's good back then, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that's just about the time I watched Formula One as well. <laughs> Martin Brundle, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Hydra Mansell, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those uh, are the good old days of sport. I don't know why you bother <laughs> anymore. Good old yeah, days. good old days of computer games as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, Ellie Scottney as uh, the super bantamweight uh, title holder right now. As of yesterday on the day of recording, um, she was prepping before the game in a, uh, a a Palace shirt with her own name on the back. Very cool. Great stuff. So um, that might actually get me slightly interested in a little bit of boxing for a little while. Um, good stuff there. And I know that made a lot of people very happy on Palace Twitter. And the other thing I just wanted to bring up, obviously brought you up the last show as well, um, but we've actually saw now the, uh, the tribute to Sido um, and... You, neither of you were were on the um, on the pod last week, so I was just going to ask for your side memories, both of you. Um, you know, but yeah. what, buying a program, whatever you, whatever you did today, so, Chris. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a it's a really sad thing, first and foremost, because you know, he, it's one of the first things I remember when I, when I not when I probably first went to Palace because I was very young and. I think my first ever Palace game was at Wembley. God, I'm such a sellout. But, um, but like you know, even my first visit to, to Selhurst, I was I was too young to really pay attention. And then there was a long gap between me going a few times as a kid, and then then literally I, you know, got a season ticket, right? And and I was there every game. But he was one of the first people I, I can, you know, club representatives, if you like, because you know the program sellers they are that. Um, I think he was the first program seller I saw in first thing I, you know, really stuck in my mind is, you know, he looked moody as hell. He had these massive sideburns and like very quickly heard people calling him Sido and stuff. And then it was, I noticed he had um, a little feature on homesdale.net website, which was my my first foray into online palace as well, where, you know, it was Ask Sido. And there was, it was just a funny little thing. You type a question into Sido and he pretty much gave you the same answer every time in this little graphic. Um, sort of like, so he was one of those things that was, I think one of those people, one of those characters, like you, you just valued so much. He was part of Palace. I didn't know Clive personally. You know, I bought programs off him. I watched him walk along the bottom of the Homesdale, um, you know, seeing if anyone wanted a program and you'd get the glare or you'd get a nod or you'd get something. And it was just, you know, you just, he stuck out so much and you just, after like a, you know, a year ago, it was just you expected to see him, and you expected to see him there forever, selling his programs. And um, you know, when he when he had the stroke, um, you know, a few years back, and and wasn't there anymore. You know, it was a it was a real sad thing then. And you know, obviously, the sad news that he passed away. It does feel like, you know, part of the club, part of that that past, that identity that we where we came from is now is now gone. But you know. So many people will remember him for like for, till their till their last breaths. He's he was just uh, a proper old school character and, and some someone I think the club have rightly been proud to be associated with and have, have given a really fitting tribute for. Yeah, that's that, uh, yeah, just, just that's a that's a lovely tribute. I I could never quite work out 
if he was actually really pissed off at people shouting at him. Um, <laughs> and I su- suspect he probably slightly was. Um, definitely, yeah, I mean, definitely Patrick, some days, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick, any memories? Actually, I mean, I started going to Palace in the early 70s because my brother was a ball boy. But my brother was a ball boy in the, in the White Horse Lane end. So I'm pretty sure, to, you know, I'd, I'd left in 79, 80. And I'm pretty sure that I probably never bumped into him until I went back, like, in the 90s and saw him there. But, um, for, again, all the stories I heard about him, he, he did seem a bit moody. But it was a great character. I mean, like I said, and I was a big program collector, still kind of am. So I bought a few off of him, but I don't really have like a particular memory. But because I've been going for a very long time, and I had that little gap when I came to America, so I I missed him for a bit. But I definitely remember buying programs from him. But again, I was in the other end until I got a little bit older. I mean, we we can all be accused of being a bit, bit moody, so let's definitely yeah. not hold that against him. Definitely. Let's not hold that against him. Um, right, well, let's get to the match. Obviously, the match that saw a beautiful tribute to him up on the big screen. I'm from the HF, um, which I didn't get to see because it was so crowded with random people that weren't part of V Block. I couldn't get to my fucking seat in the second half. Really? So I stood in D Block, oh, <laughs> um, immensely annoying the woman behind me who obviously couldn't see. Uh, yes, but anyway, other than that, um, let's talk about it. So we heard, well, some of us heard um, from some sources beforehand in, in the Goat House that Dakure wasn't playing again. So the lineup, um, the kind of, I can only describe it as like a central midfield three. So j- the, my sort of thought was just trying to replace Dakure by sheer numbers. Um, but it seemed to be very effective. Yeah, it was, it was different, wasn't it? Because, um, you know, the previous game, we, were, we you know, we clearly against Everton, we, the whole Dakure left was just massive. So as soon as you saw the team sheet, you're just like, oh, well, this is just yet again us having not enough options. But that that was absolutely the, the right choice to to have Schlupp in there with with Luca and, and just have them as a as a two. And and even as you quite right quite rightly pointed out, I mean, Ezra was asked to play perhaps even a little bit deeper than he would usually prefer uh, until we got a bit of momentum up and he started wondering a bit. But we, we look more solid in the midfield. But I think, I'm sure we'll talk about this a, a lot. Um, I know Patrick and I were talking during the game, but the difference for me between, you know, last time out and this time was the performance from Luca. You know, Schlupp did a good job and, you know, Ezra did a good job. But, you know, the sharpness was there from Luca for the first time, I think, in a long, long time. I think first time this season, for, without any question. And I'm struggling to remember a time last season where, you know, he reached that level of performance. He trailed off a little in the second half for sure. But, you know, as a first half performance, the first 45 minutes, that was the the Luca of old. That was the Luca that, you know, screened the back four in, in an incredibly impressive way for, for a long period of time where Kabai was sort of, you know, the, the not quite box to box, you know what I mean, but was the kind of one who roamed and did a bit of playmaking as well as putting a challenge in here and there. So, he kind of had Ezra and, and Schlupp doing a bit of that himself. Um, and and it just felt a little bit like the sharpness that had been missing for so long was was there at his passing. 
He didn't get caught on the ball too much. He, you know, he played the simple passes. He didn't try and turn when he couldn't turn. And I think that's where he's been weak. He's been receiving the ball to feet with his sort of face in the wrong way. And he's always trying to turn. And I think, I don't know if someone's had a word and said, look, you know, just, just pop the ball around. You've got two ball playing centre backs behind you, you know, use them, then turn, you know, don't try and turn first, you know, and it's a little, just a subtle change like that. I think had a real impact on his game. Yeah, great point, Hambo. And I think one of the things I, I noticed is that he got off to a really good start. So beginning of the match, Southampton has an early throw-in and then a corner kick, and he's involved in breaking up both of those sets of play. And then Wilf driving the other side, gets fouled edge of the box, takes a free kick, doesn't score, but has a free kick. A few minutes later after that, Schlupp makes a great run, cuts inside, crosses the ball, Luca has a great shot, and it's blocked. So he's off to a really good start in a match. I think that kind of built his confidence. But you're absolutely right. He kept it very simple. He drove the ball forward. He was very involved in our press yesterday. And again, considering he's not Decore, he really did a really good job of filling in for him. And I think, honestly, going forward, I thought about this with uh, D today on the YouTube show. I think it might be a bad idea to start Decore and Luca next week because of the fact that they will both be involved in tackling. I think the problem we've been having lately is that you can't have Decore be the only tackler, and Luca will obviously be a part of that. So hopefully, that might be something that might happen next weekend. Well, that's kind of what I was going to ask. Was Luca effective because he was in a two straight three rather than being isolated? Um, and or, or how much of it was, it seemed like Southampton, if I have a criticism of Southampton, I would say that they hadn't quite done their homework and didn't seem to realise that a quick break against, well, particularly down Joel Ward's side, seemed to be effective for other teams and they weren't doing that. So did Luca have an easier time of it because he had players around him? Did he also have an easier time of it because Southampton didn't seem to be exploiting the way that other teams have in the last few weeks? I think there's definitely an element of that um, because, but you, to some degree, you get that with Southampton. In, in fact, in terms of the way, you know, Hassan Hutter wants to play, you know, he does want them to to be a kind of slow building side, you know, possession based, which, you know, when you look at the end game stats, they, they actually, after the second half in particular, they shaded the possession. Well, I think they, they were like 55, 45 with the possession. So they did kind of dominate the possession of the ball through the course of the 90. And you're right, that that to a degree was a weakness in them. They chose not to change their game to exploit our weaknesses. And that did play into our hands um, to some degree. And when they were forced to change it up and break with pace and put, you know, put an overload on in the flanks where people have had so much, much success, none more so than, than Everton, you know, that's when we started to look a little bit creaky um, and, and, you know, relied on Guaita a couple of times for sure. Um, but yeah, and again, in the, in the fullback areas in particular, we, you know, the, the fullbacks often in our team, depending on who we've picked, uh, can be left a little exposed and, and, and easily bypassed with a couple of passes. Uh, they tuck in, both tuck in narrow at times, but but more so Ward. But they also get you know caught in possession a lot. So I think that when that was exploited, um, you know we could see exactly what Southampton probably did wrong in the first place. So very very astute point there, Mike. Yeah, and to follow up to that, it's interesting that um, prior to last week's match, um, Hassan Hoodle used a four four two, but I commented as I mentioned he went to a three five two yesterday, which he used yesterday. So he had. Uh, Perot wide left and you had uh, El Yanusi wide right and I remember early in the match um, Perot did a great run and just left Ward in the dust and I was like oh my god and then 
after that they didn't really try. Was that, that was that for the um was that for the offsides hitting the post? It might have been that, that one. Like, it actually might have yeah. been earlier, but I know one. Yeah, I think it might have been when Che Adam hit the, hit the post and then got the offside. Correct, Mike. But it was weird that they didn't try that. And you would think that you know knowing, hopefully knowing or thinking they would know our weaknesses are fullbacks. But I also think that tactically pushing Ward and Mitchell higher up, which they both got involved yesterday, probably negated Perot and El Yunus's ability to get forward. So from that standpoint, Vieira probably did a good job at that. But I'm really surprised they stuck with that 4-4-2 because honestly, I mean, the 3-5-2, it didn't work for them yesterday. It was really tactically uh, poor by um, Hassan Hill yesterday. It, it did feel that way. But when I watched the watched the extended highlights back, to you know, just to remind myself of the big points, actually, it, okay, it's up in the Whitehorse lane end, so you don't quite get that heart-stopping moment from, right. from the Homestale. But... We were <laughs> we were really lucky to not concede in the second half. Um, you know, Wards Wards after match interview, you know, he said we were probably unlucky to not add two or three um, in the first half. But I, that leads me on to what I wanted to talk about. He'd said, um, you know, Grierson had asked him what they'd worked on after the Everton game, which is a reasonable question, if not a little bit a little bit taxing for um, straight after the game. Um, but he said that they'd, they'd really worked on the interplay in the wide areas because they felt like they weren't doing enough with it. Um, so that could very much tie in with what you were just saying. And then on top of that, Vieira was still fairly cutting after the game. You know, so there's a lot of positives, but he's disappointed in the finishing from the sides. Um, and watching the highlights back, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. There was some, there's some decent chances, but really should have been more than one nil up. Hey, I, I'd, I'd go along with that. I think, we would, yeah, as, as you quite, you, you know, it's, it's totally fair to, to point out that Southampton had some very good chances, but, you know, we were, we were a little wasteful, um, particularly first half in terms of the opportunities that we had. So, so in that sense, it was probably a good performance, but yeah, we're talking about, you know, what they worked on that, that interplay of, of wide players, wasn't it? So, um, I don't know how much I really saw, you know, you've asked a question in the doc there, what was, what was different? And I don't know if I really saw too much different in, and I think we, we did get, we saw Edward, I think, interacting a little bit more, particularly with Elise. Um, I thought, you know, he's, I think Vieira spoke about it after the game, to be fair to him. And, and, you know, he was saying that, you know, he's starting to, to kind of do that work between the lines as well. And that's really important work, you know, because um, I think we all understand that that Edward's a, a better footballer and a better striker than Mateta, but where Mateta was getting the nod before was he was, you know, causing a hassle and he was was, was acting as a kind of fulcrum for other attacking players as well as, as getting on the end of things to score a goal here and there. But Edward's really kind of, um, really kind of, started to interact with those with those wider forwards, be it Elise or, or Ayu on the right and, and usually Zaha on the left. Um, so I, I suppose there was evidence of some work there, but um, I think, you know, the, the real difference in the in the performance was, was in the midfield, uh, in, in my view. So, you know, but I, I suppose, you know, Ward can only answer the question that's in front of him. Yeah, I get. I guess that's true. Um, I I want to put something to you, Patrick. I, I'm not going to give a name away, but somebody from this parish um, in the Glaziers after the game, we'd settled down for a nice pint of San Miguel. Um, I was enjoying it. 
up until they said that uh, Edward is incredibly frustrating uh, because he seems to only want to lay the ball off rather than shooting. So thoughts on that, Patrick? Absolute load of crap. Um, Can I I skip that question, please? (laughs) (laughs) You absolutely can if you want to. (laughs) Or you you, you can just totally agree if you want to. well, yeah, I, I, I answering the question seriously. I'm sure you guys are aware of the um the the D and my um going back and forth between Mateta and Edward. So I have totally um gone to the point where I as I thought I said beginning of the season, if you get everyone to run a game, see what he can do. And he proven me that he can score, proven you know, D's all over, he's the best striker I've ever had, one of the top six strikers in the league, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I honestly think that um, he's got a lot about him that I do like. I think there are times when he will hold on to the ball too much. Have you ever seen him play for Celtic? He he was able to beat like three, four players in SPL and score goals like he was for fun. He just did that. He can't do it in the Premier League. Um, so whoever that person was, by the way, I kind of agree. But having said that, I think he's actually proven to be a very good goal, goal scorer. If you give him the opportunities, which these always said to me, give him the chances he'll score. And I think his link-up play with Olise and Eze and Wolf and even Mitchell has come a long way. He could have had a hat-trick yesterday. I mean, he missed that He missed that first chance. Wolf put a great ball across. He scored the goal. Then he had the offside VAR goal. So, I mean, honestly, he's this close to a hat-trick yesterday. So, he's uh, he's coming along. He's coming along. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, it wasn't him that was offside as well. So, exactly, um, exactly. What I will say is... Um, I think it was the first time I'd seen a post-match interview with him. He um, he didn't give a lot away. <laughs> he didn't he didn't say a lot. So I'm not gonna I'm, yeah not a lot to add to that. Um, but what I did want to talk about um, Vieira he's he slightly sidetracked somebody that asked him a question by saying that he thought the Palace still started poorly again. Um, and considering at half time, you know, we were we we're all very upbeat, standing outside the Homesdale, um, saying it was a great half. He'd said that he still thought the first 10 minutes were poor. And then, um, obviously, he was relatively negative about the amount of chances conceded in the second. So, um, whilst we've been talking about only coming alive in the second half, um, that seemed to be the opposite. So, I don't know how much that is Southampton tactics and how much it is just trying to do the opposite of what happened in the Everton game. Is there anything to add to that or is it just, you know, coincidence at this point? Um, Let's go with coincidence. I'm beginning to think that that's the case. Um, I am beginning to think that's the case. I I mean, it's very, you know, is is it not the first time I think we've won this season and been ahead? Um, So, it's to say that they've they've improved on, on, on defending and they certainly... You know, towards the end, excellent game management. Um, yeah, but that's a really good point. I mean, it was pleasing, wasn't it? Right? The, it really, the, yeah. We started doing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And, and I don't like to see too much of what you call kind of the, the darker arts of players going down and you know, just take it that little bit longer to get up from in, like from a little knock here and there. Uh, but we did a much, much better job of, of disrupting play. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, like to a to a reasonable level, because you get the same thing back at you all the time. Right. And, you know, one of those things can be a criticism leveled at, uh, at Palace under Vieira to some degree in that at times we are very focused on the football, which, which is a great thing to be. But you know, when you if you start losing out or you know giving away points or giving poor starts away to poor teams, and then not, you know a fantastic case in point is I, I still don't think Everton are, are a very good side at all. I really don't. I agree. And they blew us away, and they did the the really horrible, shitty things well. You know, they were really aggressive with us they were a lot you know there's a lot to be said for running around really quickly and putting people under pressure and sometimes we we do a little bit you know Vieira doesn't compromise on that style uh, and it gets us exposed sometimes and I would rather be in that position than I would in some of the previous positions under previous squads and managers and stuff like that so I'm not going to you know going to going to go on about it but I yeah I I think there's a lot of different moving parts but um but I like to see us putting a bit of the the sort of dark arts into play. And I have to say that you know, two players in particular do a real good job of helping close out matches, and that's Ayu, who can draw a foul and keep the ball in the corner, and then Hughes. I love what Hughes did yesterday. Hughes is a very very smart player when it comes to you know closing out matches. He'll you know he'll he'll bring the ball out wide. He will play a pass that's that you know we keep the ball. He'll also make a, a tactical foul if he has to, which he did yesterday. I just love the fact that, you know, those two players in particular do a really good job. And Gyro against the Minister State was great. But I have to give credit to Vieira. You know, we've criticized him in the past, or people have criticized him in the past, about how, why are you making that sub and that costs us the match. But of late, he's done a really good job of making the right subs at the right time late in matches to help us close out matches. Or even come back and from behind in some cases and win. Yeah, he obviously really, really trusts Hughes to do that job as well, which is which is good to see. Also wanted to say briefly about the, the comments he made about um, the amount of black managers in the game at the moment and uh, 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 huge props to him for coming forward and saying that although um, the percentage is supposedly higher amongst professional managers than the amount that they put forward, which was 10%, he said that the uh, percentage isn't high enough. So um, a great amount, great amount of respect for him on that. Um Feel free to cover that in a moment, but I'll ask you another question at the same time. Somebody in the show doc has wanted to discuss Tyrek Mitchell, better defensively and obviously created the goal. And then, um, you know, Ward had a good game as well. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, about the fullbacks, left and right backs, whatever you want to call them in the game. Um, Patrick? Um, I've been questioning a lot of late uh, Tyreek. I'm not sure if what's wrong with him has been, you know, um, the post-England call-up, whatever that is, as far as when the player seems to lose form, or him being injured and us not addressing it by playing somebody else. But I've got to give him a lot of credit yesterday. He did really, really well yesterday. It's the Tariq, Tyreek that we really that we need. He's defensively very, very solid. 
that kid that came on, he does get him a little bit of trouble at the end. But prior to that, he did really well. The cross for the goal was really, really good. He was doing really well going forward. And on the other side, Wardy, again, I mentioned before, just him getting forward a lot, linking up with Olise, was massive. Again, he's not the right back that we need. We all understand that. I mean, if it's whether it's Klein, Ferguson, Juan Basaka at some point or somebody, but you got to give the, the man credit yesterday again. At 33 on his birthday, he played really, you know, he did, had, I think I'm almost said he played really well. He played, he was very solid in his role. And, you know, we, we're, I'm always quick to criticize him and other, others are some more than me, actually. But got to give him credit. Both of them yesterday did a good job. And, and you had to have them play that way yesterday because Southampton, again, like Everton, I don't think are a very good side, but they can cause you problems, especially out wide with the 3 5 2. And to their credit, Mitchell and Ward yesterday were very, very solid. Yeah, and, and, and to hold my hands up, Patrick, I'm one that's probably more critical of Ward than you are. I didn't mean to say that, by the way. But No, 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 but I think it's a, a valid point. Look, Tyreek was, was very good. Um, and I, I thought the, art, the article from The Athletic, um, uh, I think it was Matt Wilson's article, was, was very, you know, apt in its timing um, to try to talk about the personality that, that Mitchell has. And when you think about the criticism or at least you know, um, dampening of, of praise that's got, that's come, you know, his way um, to point out that actually he would, he would be way ahead of the curve on that. He'll be very much in his own head about his own performances. It was nice to see him to put in a display like that. I think he's sometimes because he's, you know, he came in the way he did and his, his rise was so quick. I think sometimes people watching and also maybe the, the, the players in on, on the, on the pitch with him, kind of forget that he does still need the occasional bit of sort of coaching about where to be while while on the pitch and um that that's going forward as well as as well as covering back and i think you know again the observation in that the article was absolutely true you know he doesn't always have the right cover in front of him and it does create indecision you know he doesn't you know when we see the the end results um of on you know, goals or chances down that side. Sometimes we look at it in isolation and we go, okay, Tyreek's lost the, lost his man there. You know, he, he should have followed him. But it's about, you know, it can be like a minute earlier on that that problem starts. And that problem starts from indecision as to as to where to go, to stay with the player with the ball or, or drop off and either go narrow or, or follow another player out wide. It's that moment there because he knows, you know, Wilf's not going to, going to sprint to get back every time um you know and, and ward gets that same thing the other side and you know um so I'll, I'll come back to ward in a set but tyreek did did all of those things a lot better but i do think there was probably an, an argument to say that the inclusion of of schlup in the middle alongside luca and um, gave a little bit more cover out wide because both would kind of drift out into the into the wide areas defensively as well it just it just was a more solid set up if you like um ward um always does a decent job you know um but i think the point i made um a few weeks back in a in a unplanned return of hamblings ramblings was i think we do at times allow the wonderful sort of uh amount of time energy effort and just general loyalty and and amazingness that ward has brought over a a decade at palace we do sometimes allow that 
to cloud our judgment in some ways as much as we also allow preconceptions to maybe you know be more critical than we should so it's really hard for me to to kind of find an, the exact right balance because ward did all the things right that i expect joel ward to do you know which is put his body on the line for the team uh give it you know proper focus and attention for 90 minutes and and just just do a great job um where in in an area where he was comfortable but you pointed out earlier, Patrick, you know, Southampton missed a trick in in not isolating him out wide and, and making him run back because that's where he's weak. He doesn't stop enough crosses. Um, and at Premier League level, you know, he's still the player that you kind of least want the ball to be knocked back to when you're, in, when you're putting a move together. You know, I, I can't help but get away with it. I almost sink in my my seat when I see the ball knocked back toward him and I, I shouldn't feel that way um, but you know I feel like if he's going to put a cross in it's not going to be dangerous I feel like if he's going to you know go on the overlap it's not really going to go anywhere uh, and I just feel like if he's if he's got the ball at the start of a move and we knock it back to him from midfield it's going to go up the line um, in, a, in a relatively aimless way and I'm probably being unfair I probably remember those things that I expect and I and I probably ignore the positive things that he does, but um, you know it's a really long way of saying he did. He played really well, and, and fair play to him. But we definitely need to replace him as quick as possible. Yeah, all fair points. I think um, lead us on to just to wrap up. I, mean, if, I just want to first mention the Southampton kit, um, <laughs> which was just. Absolutely fucking horrific. <laughs> um, abs- one of the worst kits I've ever seen at Selhurst. So uh, that's my first point. Southampton fans, um, they were quiet, but then not a, not a great deal to cheer about. Did chat to some lovely gents in the Green Dragon afterwards. Um, you know, they're, they're never they're never the loudest lot anyway. I don't think, but um, you know, not a not a great deal for them to cheer about. Um, so. That's as a result of Palace playing really well. So I wanted to ask who were your standout players for the game and to point out that um, the the, uh, the regular or hopefully regular segment on the YouTube will be uh, Patrick covering his um, his player ratings. So uh, make sure you go onto YouTube. But yeah, start with you, Patrick. Uh, your, your, your top player for the game. Um, immediately after the game, I wanted to give it to Luca because... I, I I was a pretty big Luca fan. This is a little political, so I hope it doesn't get blanked out by Mikey. I was a big fan of Luca, and then he made those those actions during COVID, and he came out for Djokovic with all, and I I kind of went off of him. And then his play fell off, and then it was easy to go off of him. But I've also tried to be fair, so I I really think that he's taken a lot of stick this season, most of it fairly, but some of it, or well, not this season, over the last two seasons, some of it fairly, some of it just just wanted to get on his case. And I thought yesterday, again, he played really, really well. But as I said to D today during the player ratings, I always want to give credit to a goalkeeper who saves, makes big saves in a win. And I thought Guaita yesterday made some brilliant saves on Che Adams and a one of Armstrong's shots at the post. But even like in the last like minute or so, he came out of the box and he punched the ball out, which he's very rarely does. He's very passive as a, you know, crosses, uh, when crosses come in. So, Having said all that, I, to me, I'm giving it to Guaita because, again, I was a little down on him last week. I thought against everything, was, he was really poor on that parry second goal to Gordon. So having said all that, I would give it to Guaita. I thought he played really well yesterday when we needed him to. 
Yeah, I think you've probably just said exactly what I was going to say. I was going to go Luca, but rewatching the, I mean, the save where it almost went under his body and he exactly. managed to cling onto it. Yeah. So, so strong, so strong. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I'd echo a lot of that. And, and you know, big saves. Uh, and I, Pat, going a long way back, Patrick and I used to talk about that a lot with, with certain other keepers yes, where, indeed. you know, you'd, wa- you'd be watching the opposition <laughs> keeper and saying, look, they're making right. the big saves. We're never getting any. No, you got average, but average doesn't cut it if you're not making the big saves now and then. You a save that's as good as a goal, kind of thing. Uh, and we definitely get that with uh, with Vicente. And and you know we haven't we haven't seen the best of him for you know for a little while now. And I thought that was very much his best, and it should be recognised um, and and a, and a real welcome return because that competition has got to be hotting up a little bit, you know, um, Johnson's a good keeper. He really is. And, and Butlin, I think is back fit or at least getting there. So that, that competition's hotting up, I'm sure. And he, he's got to be absolutely on it to, to keep that number one shirt. And as, that's absolutely as it should be. Uh, I just also want to mention um, the centre-backs though, Mark Gay and, um, and, and, and Joachim Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, we've not mentioned him at all, have we? No, we haven't. But I mean, Anderson's sort of usual pinpoint accuracy, wasn't quite there, and I thought that's one thing Southampton did pretty well. They were they were clearly drilled in, in looking for the long diagonals and yep. didn't give us a lot of opportunities there. But um, I thought Gay in particular was um, read the game so well, and you know, right at the death, he, he put in a wonderful challenge, um, and he, he he played with a sort of a bit of a swagger as well, kind of like um, if you go back to the the sort of championship days with when uh, I think Ramage and Delaney in particular had a partnership for a while where they did this sort of joke thing. I think Ramage told us about where it was like none shall pass kind of thing. And that was their, their motto. And they just played like, you ain't getting past me. That's just what it's this. This is all about. And it felt a little bit like he had that swagger, like whatever, for whatever, wherever it came from, probably hurting after the Everton game. He just seemed to seem to act like you know no one is going to get the better of me. I'm not getting caught on the ball. I'm not going to be bodied off of it like Calvert Lewin did. I'm just not having it, and um, I like that a lot. So he he in particular was someone that I wanted to mention, although both did really well. Well, it's telling then that gone for defensive midfielder, def- defenders, and then three votes for well, as Vieira refers to him, Vince. Uh, okay then. So uh, let's 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 get to some listener feedback and then and then we'll end the show. I think. Um, yeah. So we'll go some plenty of comments on on Twitter as usual. Uh, I'll I'll pass I'll pass them over. I'll give one to each of you. Just a, a quick few comments uh, from from each of you on these. So. Um, Chris Caver said, "How many Our Fathers and Hail Marys does Tyrant Mitchell have for penance this Sunday?" <laughs> none, none at all. He, um, he, there's no, there's no penance required. Um, obviously, his previous uh, penances have uh, have have had the desired effect. Um, so, really good. Yeah, I, I've got, I've got to say, I, I, I think it's got to be none this week and. Um, he might still be making a few for last week, but uh, he's more than made up for it. Uh, Patrick, um, I'm not even going to pretend that I can pronounce this, but at A-O-2-M-T-H-C-H-R, um, there's probably some amusing pronunciation there. I apologise, my, my your comedy has sailed over my head. But um, what is our ideal 11 to see out a game with 15 minutes left? 
I thought we did okay, especially when Hughes and Riedeveld came together to solidify midfielders. So, as you said, but yeah, ideal 11 to see out a game, Patrick. So, you packed the midfield. So, Guaito in goal, Mitchell left back, Klein right back, um, Gehi Anderson, Decore, Hughes, Luca, um, Wolf as an outlet. With um, Ayu out wide because he has to, he's good defensively and uh, hmm, I might put another midfielder there probably uh Gyro back in there too so Gyro Luca Ducore and Hughes like four that's pretty much what we did yesterday except without um without Ducore that would work yeah you gotta say none shall pass would definitely uh <laughs> definitely cover that yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, a comment from one Nick Gusset. Does Mike work in IT? Asking for a friend. <laughs> don't, know, don't know where that came from. No idea. No idea. Unbelievable behaviour. Unpaid IT support. Unpaid IT support. Uh, grumpy dad, Chris. What is our best midfield combination? And was Luca's one-man protest in support of Kuate, or is he trying to force a move? Um, I don't. I honestly didn't see a protest. Um, of, of, so someone might have to tell me what that's about. Um, but I suppose the question of what's our best midfield—it's a really tricky one, isn't it? Because like I feel hmm. like because hmm. I really like properly love that Patrick Vieira will pick a midfield of Decore, Elise, and Eza. You know what I mean? Because right. yeah. it's just—it's just that's just ballsy. Just to go out and do that, but it it goes back to the days where you know you'd pick your team on the internet, and a lot of the kids would pick a team like that, and we'd, everyone would just go, "Look, come on, that team's going to get torn apart. They're all attacking. They're, you know, Decore can't do it all on his own." That's the kind of conversation we'd have back in the day, and it's so it feels a little bit like, despite the fact that I think that's the best three that can play in those positions, I think to give the right balance to our team. Um, I'd love to see Decure, Hughes, and Eza. I really would. Um, that that feels to me like the the selection that's missing. Um, and it just I, there must be reasons for it. You know, I, it just feels to me like it's too obvious a statement to be ignored. Um, there must be something we don't know or something that we don't see in in terms of how that setup would have to work. Apologies if you can hear the growling dog in the background. The cat's trying to steal her food. But um these things happen. Stop it, cat. It's naughty. Yeah, Chris, just on that point, I really think we haven't seen it just because of the Hughes factor, which is basically he's been injured and he's been ill. I really believe that and then Decore yesterday was apparently injured. I really believe that if when all three are hundred percent fit, he will pick that midfield. Whether it works or not, I have no idea. But I think he'll pick that midfield. I really do. Because right now, you just say it's our best option. I just want to cover the um, the Eze, Eze pronunciation drama because um, I noticed watching the highlights back on um, the Palace player that the commentator was referring to him as Eze again. And I had heard the allegation that he deliberately said his name wrong in that video thing oh, to wind yeah. people up. So... Who knows? Who I mean, knows? It's, it's quite funny if he did, but I'm going yeah. to carry on calling him Ezra. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Brilliant if he did. Uh, yes. Interesting. Um, so, Patrick, from uh, Pethos, 
with the lack of our squad depth and injuries, we're currently in the top 10. And I believe we still are even after the games today. Mad. Thoughts? I think it's a a testament to not only Vieira, but the players. Because we really shouldn't be in the top 10 based on the squad that we have. Because we clearly understand that we are three players short, two at the very least, meaning a right back that can function in Vieira's system and a midfielder that can function in the system. The fact that we are 10th is unbelievable. Um, I am very happy with that fact. I hope we can get to the World Cup break still 10th or higher um, with a um, berth still in the um, Carabao Cup. But again, I, or, or to me, your credit goes to Vieira and the players because we shouldn't really be this high. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's every chance. Um, you know, Forrest got another battering at Arsenal, so we shall see. God, they're terrible. Yeah, well, but yeah, it's just getting three points away, isn't it? Yeah. So really, I should have I should have swapped that question to the end because it's quite upbeat. So maybe let's pretend that Mikey is going to edit that and put it at the end. Uh, and I won't ask Chris the last question, which is much more of a downer. So imagine this was the second to last question. Did anyone else notice that our energy levels in the second half dropped significantly, allowing Southampton to get a foothold in the game? Mm. Is this an issue from Colin? Well, I mean, in a, in some ways, as much as that question is is written from a very negative perspective, I don't think you need to answer it negatively. I, I think Vieira even addressed it in, in the post match comments where he, he talked about there's always going to be spells in a game where you know you you, you don't have the, you don't get to dominate possession, you don't get to have it all your own way, and ideally a spell wouldn't last for the majority of the the second half. But I think you know we we have to accept that if we the way we sort of dominated in the first half meant that Southampton had to come out and do something different. And with with the options everybody has now, it's, you know, it's very, it's very difficult to stop a, a team fundamentally changing something. It doesn't always work, but, but, you know, Southampton just, they had to up the tempo. They had to take more risks. Um, so for us to say our energy level was dropped, I, I don't think that they did. I think we were, you know, when you, when you're, effectively conceding possession of the ball you have two choices really you can try and meet it with a huge amount of energy and start running around the pitch and that will tire you out or you can conserve your energy and press in the right areas and we aren't we aren't a press all over the pitch team you know we press we press areas of the pitch in in the opposition half and we we do a lot of our pressing in our own half which is a completely legitimate tactic um but I think you know we we made the changes both tactically and in personnel that just allowed us to accept that the game had changed from the first half, and that in in my in many ways you could argue that's what's been missing in some of the performances this year. We haven't played the game. We've tried to do what I've moaned about for years, wanting to see. We've tried to you just you know try to make sure our own play and our own influence made the game go the way we wanted it rather than than play the game that's in front of us and you know I think you have to do a mixture of those two things and I think this this game in particular second half just showed that we had to it was a really positive sign for me it's not a negative thing that that, that energy levels dropped off it's a positive thing that we changed how we played and we played we managed the game properly um Yes, we got a little bit of fortune in there, but that happens in every single game for every single team. There's always a moment where almost the flip of a coin will, will determine whether that game ends up going the way it should for you or it shouldn't. And 
you know, I think we should praise the team for the second half, even though it was a weaker showing than the first. Well, you've managed to turn that phone upside down there. I did. Can I also, I really want to quickly mention um, that I thought one of the biggest factors in us winning that game was was, um, the performance of Lianko for them. Um, He, playing at right back, I believe he's supposed to be a centre back. Um, yeah, it's a bit bit of a prick, isn't he? Yeah, he was he was awful. You know, he got caught for the for the goal that we scored, and um, you know, probably should have been sent off a couple of times over. Um, but you know, he's he's apparently just lo- known as Lianco, and I don't know why he isn't fully known as Lianco Evangelista Silvera Neves uh, Vojinovic. I don't know why he doesn't go with that name. Wow, that's a great name. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, I don't think I'm going to be able to assist you with that. No, anyway. no, weird, weird um, that, isn't it? Yeah, but um, well, he was poor. Yeah, well, okay. Um, that six per- named person, uh, worst player on the pitch. Let's leave it at that, shall we? Okay, um, we'll, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening to the show, and and thanks in particular to everyone who got in touch today. As always, we read absolutely everything. It helps us shape the show helps us make discussion points so always keep it coming um and as i say if you can go onto itunes give us a nice rating or just tell a palace mate that would be absolutely lovely the preview team will be back with you in midweek to look ahead to sunday's match against west ham united and then possibly just covering a little bit that outrageously long journey up in the league cup to high flying newcastle as well um, we'll work out how we're going to review that. Might have to uh, review both of the, the last two games before the break in one go. Uh, but yes, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you up to date on that. And until then, thanks again for listening. Come on, you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.